Welcome to The Power Show, the number one podcast that provides people from all walks of life the platform to share their story. Losing his dad at the age of 16, Hugh Robinson talks to us about his struggles of growing up without a strong male role model and walks us through some very vulnerable moments in his life and how everything changed when he found personal development. Now working with online entrepreneurs to build and scale their businesses, Hugh is a walking example of how you can still come out on top no matter what life throws at you. If you enjoyed this episode, guys, please go ahead and head on over to iTunes, leave a positive review, so that this show can reach even more people and inspire those who share their story. Now, without any further ado, let's jump straight in. Yeah, long long story short, like I'm a I'm a business coach, uh, run an agency in terms of the the what I do. Yeah. I'm I'm a very I've, I'm someone who very much values growth and expansion and learning. Um, and have done for the last 10 years. And I, I love to travel as well. So I, I'm from the UK, as, as most people probably tell from my accent. Um, but I, I actually left about just under three years ago, and I haven't, I haven't been home since. So I've been on a journey of, um, like physically on a journey of expansion as well, and, and been meeting a lot of um, cool and interesting people around the world. Uh, over the last few years, I lived, I lived in Asia for about a year uh, in, in Thailand and Bali, which was really cool. Um, and then I moved across to Australia as well. So that's where I currently live. Um, and yeah, like the last few years I've been traveling around, traveled, you know, the States a bit, uh, Asia, South Africa. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's been a really, really kind of rough ride. Uh, it's not, it's not what a lot of people think when it's like, oh, that's cool. Like you're traveling the world. Um, and you see like, you know, the filtered side of that, uh, the filtered side of growing a business and like having freedom um, you know, cause from the outside looking in, it can look amazing. And like every day it just seems amazing. Um, however, there's been a lot of like conflict that I've had to fight with that, with growing businesses, with failing at business, um, with traveling by myself. Like there's times where it's been extremely isolating and, and it, you know, it was extremely challenging, but at the same time, it's also been very good because I think when you're isolated and there's not all this external noise, that's where you have the space to reflect and actually see kind of what's in you. So uh, it's one of the things I'm very passionate about, like really kind of turning the mirror onto people and finding out, um, you know, and trying to pull out like the best parts of them, I guess. And yeah. uh, not, not from a work standpoint, just, just in general, like I love meeting people and meeting real people, like finding the person behind the mask and finding out like what people's drivers are and what they're passionate about and, finding out, you know, like yourself, like finding out about people's stories as well. Um, I, I love that. I find that really interesting. And that's, you know, why, why I love the, you know, the stuff that you're doing as well. I think it's really cool, really authentic and really powerful as well, especially on social media, uh, where there is a lot of kind of, um, you know, false profits and, yeah. and you know, a lot of fake influences. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And what, what, um, because having a passion of digging into somebody and finding their best attributes and finding their story, I don't think comes from nowhere. Like what, what made you um, start to love that? What made you fall into that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I went through a very kind of rocky childhood um, and like adolescence as well. Like my long story short, like my, um, my story that, and this is something I shared maybe four or five years ago 
Uh, when I first started putting content out, I, I actually opened up about this and people saw that then. Um, but that story was basically, I grew up and my dad was, my dad was an alcoholic. Um, my dad was also in the Navy. So I basically grew up without like a really good and strong masculine role model. Um, and it, and it messed me up in, in a lot of ways. Like I, I grew up very kind of confused, um, like angry, uh, with a lot of anxiety and, and it was very hard for me to, to really kind of get to know myself. So I spent a lot of time when I was younger trying to fit in uh, as a lot of guys do. And I always had a lot of friends, like that was never really an issue. Uh, however, when I look back, I also, I had a lot of, it sounds bad saying this, but I had a lot of false friends. Like I, I didn't really, it wasn't that I didn't really connect with people. I was just always there. I was just a number in the room or like, as I got older, I was just drunk, you know, and um, would try and be the heart and soul of the party by just doing the most stupid shit and getting really drunk mm -hmm. and fucked up all the time, especially when I was at university. Um, but yeah, like long story short, yeah, my dad passed away when I was 16 and, um, it led me into, I was probably at my lowest then. Like I was really depressed, really unhappy, uh, really just lost in life. Like I was, I was really out of shape. I, I kind of didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was failing in school. And was that because I, of his death or was that how it was anyway? Just, um, just before that. So my, my parents yeah. split up when I was 10 and we moved to the other side of the country and we essentially left, left my dad behind. Um, had a lot of guilt around that as well. Even though I was a 10 year old, like I felt like I kind of left him to die essentially. Um, but yeah, we, we had a new life and we, we kind of moved from Bristol to Leeds. Um, and yeah, I had a lot of anger and resentment and I guess like gr uh, um, guilt around that as well. And yeah, just very confused growing up as, as most teenagers are, but like to a pretty bad level. And um, I was, I, I don't like to say I was suicidal because I, I don't think I ever would have like, you know, taken my own life. But it was something that was on my mind a lot when I was that age, like very much questioning what, like, I basically was in the point of like, what's the fucking point of even being here? Like, this just sucks. Like every day it just sucks. Yeah. Um, just a lot of pain and that emotional pain kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I believe this is what happened anyway. Like that emotional pain led me to physical uh, kind of ailments as well. So I ended up kind of developing IBS, um, you know, a lot of back and spinal issues. My immune system just sucks. I was like always ill um, and yeah, depression, anxiety. Um, and over the course of the last 10 years, uh, so it was 10 years ago when my dad passed away uh, when I was 16, 26 now, I basically cured all of that just from doing deep work. Like, it's it's been pretty incredible but um yeah like it's it was definitely a journey but yeah that for me was like the tipping point like that was the most painful experience uh going through that losing my dad just literally just feeling like i had nothing um and so i got really at that time i got really into fitness uh very surface level i know obviously your background was uh you know you were a personal trainer yourself so i'm sure you can um relate to kind of getting lost in that a little bit um yeah it gave me a sense of purpose for a long time. And it was probably the first time I really worked on myself, although it wasn't very kind of deep. It was quite surface level stuff. I was at least taking positive actions to improve my life. And, you know, long story short over the, over the kind of four or five years of doing that, going to university, um, I kind of discovered personal development, like reading books, like, you know, how to win friends and influence people and, uh, books from like, I don't know, uh, Louise Hay and Byron Katie, which is really about kind of like spiritual and emotional healing. Um, I just kind of dive deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole and started pulling all this, like, 
it just it's like this emotional sludge out and uh, clearing that, which was really cool because every time I did that, I just felt better and better and better um, and happier. And it's weird to to think back about how unhappy I was ten years ago because I'm just generally a very positive and and happy person now. So yeah, that's that's that was my story, and I started sharing that on social media maybe five years ago when I was a personal trainer. Um, I worked with a business mentor who basically kind of challenged us to do that and open up and um you know it wasn't just about business and it wasn't just about kind of you know generating leads it was actually a really good way for us to kind of get real with ourselves and challenge ourselves and um you know be vulnerable and that's something that i think is very important for men especially uh but but for everybody um and especially as business owners especially as coaches and um, vulnerability really is important like if you mm. can be open people will see that and they'll get drawn naturally towards you um you know a big part of what i do is obviously like advertising um we run facebook ads for people but with that even then like it's still important that they have that vulnerability and they're putting content out that connects with people so you know it's a double-edged thing of like having all these systems and this technical stuff but then there's also soul behind it there's also purpose there's also you know substance behind the story as well yeah, for sure. And before before we get into that, was there the reason why I asked you this question is because I know that there was a specific uh, point for me. Now you said that you practically changed and started to put gears into place in order to better yourself from when your dad passed away, right? But was there a reason, either when he passed away or around that time, was there a specific reason that defined you and made you change your ways to move forward? So, like for example, with me when my dad passed away. I saw myself, like my future self, and I saw that my future self was going to go down the same road as my dad. So that made me put the change in place. Was there like a specific thing for you that made you change? Or reason? Yeah, literally the day, day after he passed away, I remember I was in school, of 16, so I was doing my A-levels. Um, and um, yeah, I, I left at midday. Like my mom made me go to school, which I, I think was probably not a good decision the day after your dad passed away. She just... just very emotionally closed off and not very understanding. So she sent me to school. I left and I, I basically, I, I just went for a walk, like middle of the day. I lived in a small market town in Leeds, so there wasn't really much going on. And we have this, like the way the town is set up, there's like basically a big bridge as you uh, to enter the town. It goes kind of over a river. A few people have actually, you know, committed suicide from there and stuff. But I stopped on that bridge and I remember looking down at the water and I was just like, this was probably like I was just in this really kind of bad state and there was a big part of me that did literally just wanted to throw myself in and I was just like what's the fucking point like life is I just I just never saw any light at the end of the tunnel but there was like literally just this voice in the back of my head saying just keep going keep going keep going and so I did and so I I, I kept walking followed the path around like literally just not really paying attention um, and ended up kind of at the gym which is I had joined it previously but like I was like a kind of skinny fat guy who kind of want, went like once a month or something. Um, <laughs> I, happened to, I happened to have my gym kit in my bag. So I, I went and I trained and there was no one there because it was middle of the day in you know, a small town. So I trained really hard, like really pushed myself. And there was a personal trainer who was working there so he kind of helped me um, really just like get into this like flow state physically. And even though I had all this shit going on, I felt good. Like I felt really good. And I finished, I was like, oh, I shouldn't feel like this. I should feel really shit. Um, and I kind of got hooked on it from there. And it was like, that was just it. That was, that was like, everything just clicked. Like, this is what I need to be doing. 
Um, so I got obsessed with it. Like I'd, I'd spend all my time reading like men's health magazines, um, like researching all that nutrition stuff online, researching all the workouts and, and talking like just picking this personal trainer's brain. Like we became really good friends. Um, and then, yeah, got qualified, went to university, studied sports science, like got really into nutrition. Um, and then through that kind of started getting really into psychology as well, like studying psychology at university alongside that. Um, and as I say, kind of reading into personal development, but that was really the turning point for me. Like it was like this pain was just building up and building up and building up. And then when obviously my dad passed away, that was like the kind of pinnacle where I was like, fuck, I need like, they, literally things can't get worse. I need to sort my life out. Um, even as like a 16 year old, I knew that like it was down to me to make those decisions and, and change my life. Um, and the future I saw for myself, if I hadn't done that was literally, I was going to be stuck in this shitty market town, um, miserable doing some like meaningless job, just like some fat loser. And, um, yeah. and I just thought I was going to die alone. Like I, I, I hadn't had a girlfriend at that point in my life. Like I was pretty tragic until I, uh, until I kind of sorted myself out. So yeah, like that was it. Like it was just this pinnacle and, and that for me was like the thing of like, right, I need to sort my life out. And it was, obviously wasn't just this linear journey of like, yeah, everything's great. You know, there were a lot of trips and falls along the way. Uh, but you know, it was, you know, growth is kind of like this, right. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was it. That was, I guess the defining moment that got me on the, on the right track. Yeah. I, thanks for sharing that. Um, and I guess like some people aren't lucky enough to have heard that voice in the back of their heads and they've made that jump. I actually watched an interview, um, and it was on impact theory and yeah. yeah and then there was a guy, I can't remember who it was, it was a couple of weeks ago, but there was a guy that was saying that he was in a similar situation where he, I think he was on a bridge. Um, or he was on top of a building, one of the two. But anyway, it was the same sort of similar situation where he was contemplating whether to jump and there was a voice that told him not to. But he was saying how um, that he was a certain percentage, but it was a, a crazy percentage that high. And um, he goes, do you know how many people that when they make that jump and as soon as their hands have left the rails, it's instant regret. And they're like, shit, I shouldn't have done that. It's like that. It's like that rage. It's like that rage and, and that that thrill, right? That that built up energy that wants you, that your body wants you to, to catapult, like for example, off a bridge. But when you're in that midair moment, you're like, shit, I shouldn't have done that. And he goes, and it's crazy, just how many, how much regrets there are from people that do that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't think this at the time, but this is more maybe in the last year or so when I've been reflecting back on it. Yeah, uh, but I. I believe it was like essentially my higher self telling me that, um, tapping into that. Like I, I feel like uh, just a personal belief that I have. I was, I was always like super sciencey and really kind of just like logical thinking until I had like very much like a big spiritual breakthrough when I was living out in Bali. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like you, you, you know, a lot of people are very ego driven. They're very logical based. They're very in their head. Um, and I think that for me, mental health obviously is just you're just so stuck in your health. It's so so stuck in your head when you have when you have negative mental health anyway, and you have all these things spiraling out of control. You just you just can't you can't make logical decisions anymore. Like logic just goes out the window. Whereas when you're kind of heart driven, um, you know you make you make the best decisions for yourself. And it's very hard because a lot of the times the best decisions for yourself aren't aren't necessarily the most logical decisions. Yeah, you know like. Me when I was um, three years ago, selling everything I owned, 
booking a one-way ticket to Thailand was not a logical decision at all. I'd literally just started my online business. I had one client uh, who paid me 300 pounds a month and I just said, fuck it, I'm going to go. Um, you know, my mom at the time was wanting me to get a house. She was like going to go halves with me on the deposit to, to start paying off a mortgage uh, and live this comfortable lifestyle, um, which was, you know, extremely logical. You know, I could have had it all, could have had the two kids and the dog by now, but um, <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't for me. And I was, I just tapped into this heart space and I was like, just, I basically just spent the last three years trying to get pulled by that. Um, and every time that I get into like negative situations where I feel stressed or feel bad, I slow down and I reflect and I realize like I'm just stuck up here and I'm just trying to make, um, I'm trying to process things through my head too much. And whilst, you know, I, I guess my process now is really lead with the heart and then use your brain to just, just figure out the pieces along the way, you know, be vision, be vision driven. And, you know, that way you feel like you're being pulled along and you're literally just using your head to solve the pieces along the way rather than, you know, a lot of the time we're just stuck in our heads and we're just trying to make really reactive decisions to our environments around us. And I think that's the biggest thing that affects people with any mental health issue. You know, I still get depressed and anxious from time to time. And it's when I just get stuck too much in my head and I'm not connecting to myself, I feel completely disconnected. And, you know, that affects habits like drinking and taking drugs and, and everything else as well. Like I've never been really one to, to take much other than like smoke weed and take shrooms, but um, like, yeah, drinking's definitely been a bad one for me in the past where I used to just get fucked up all the time because I couldn't deal with reality. Mm. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I know we're quite similar in regards to our dads going down that same road with, um, yeah. with alcohol. And I don't know if I'm, I'm assuming there's the same case of your dad, but the reason why my dad done it is because he, he, which is why I'm so passionate about being the hero of your story rather than the victim, because he never owned his story and became the hero. He didn't want to come to terms with his past and didn't want to own up and share things. So that's why he kept on drinking his choice of vodka and drowned himself in vodka until his vulnerability became numb and you pass out on the cat on a bed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can only speculate. Um, but I, I think, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like when I was, a lot of the memories of my dad when I was eight years old was him picking me up from school. My brother was a lot older than me and my mom was often working um, at that time. So he'd take me to the pub after school, like at three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon. And I'd just sit there in a pretty empty pub and he'd just sit there drinking. He wouldn't speak to anybody. He wouldn't speak to me. I'd just sit there like as two hours like, watching him drink. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I just, I just used to switch off. But like, when I look back, I'm like, fuck, that was a really weird experience to see this guy who should be like my biggest hero and role model, just sat there, not talking to anybody, just looking into a pint glass um, and then drive me home drunk. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty bizarre kind of um, thing. But yeah, he, he, you know, we're all victims of victims and had this discussion with somebody earlier, which was like, you know, he, he actually had a very similar story, but I think like those chains kind of just go from generation to generation unless you're extremely conscious about it, you know, you're not able to break that. So I think it's, and it seems to be a lot, a lot of people in our generation, I think are very, are a lot more self-aware, but mm. I think a lot of people are waking up to that. It's like, okay, I need to actually consciously go in and just break that chain and choose to not live like my, uh, you know, my alcoholic father, my dysfunctional, you know, parents. Like I need to go out and actually just create, my own identity and yeah and I, I like what you said about being the hero of your own story like my, my business is called hero connection because i just yeah. feel like every single person can tap into that 
Um, I call it like your hero frequency. Right? When you're tapping into your heart frequency, when you're driven by purpose, when you're driven by love, and you're driven by just wanting to make the world around you a better place, you're, yeah, you're just you're just trying to be a hero, and it's not necessarily all this like superhero that's like saving everybody's lives, but you're just doing good stuff for other people and yourself. Mm. And that that leads us quite nicely into hero connection. So like. Talk to us a little bit about how you came into thinking of the idea and, and the stage that it's at today. Yeah, I mean, long story short, like I, I mentioned this earlier, so I have my own online fitness coaching business. Um, yeah. That basically, because I've been on this, this essentially like an evolution the last three years, like self, um, self-discovery and, and everything else as well. But I had an online fitness business that evolved into like an online personal development business where I was kind of coaching men with depression, um, and really helping them just yeah open up emotionally. Uh, it's very, very kind of, um, quite, a, quite a cool experience actually. Basically a, a lot of my clients were kind of like these middle-aged like Aussie blokes, um, you English guys as well, but yeah, just these middle-aged, middle-aged like Aussie blokes who kind of never spoken to anybody in their life. And there's this young like 24-year-old dude who's getting them to like open up and meditate and like opening up and crying down the phone in front of 10 other guys, you know, like on calls like this, we had like 10 people, uh, which was really cool. And then I went on to actually um, get a job and work for a, and help set up an agency. So through, through my own coaching, I got pretty good at marketing, understood all the systems and everything behind it work with some some very good mentors um, and I went went on to work for one of my mentors and we basically I helped him set up his systems and marketing and everything else as well we coached uh, I was his head coach so I coached like 200 coaches uh, all in the fitness online fitness space um, and helped him set up his agency basically helped him scale to seven seven figures uh, in terms of like finances but also just helped him kind of um, you know with the coaching side of things as well so that was really really cool um, experience, help me grow my network, help me grow my ability to lead others um, at a higher level as well. So, you know, working with coaches requires a different skill set to working with like the everyday guy. Um, you know, coaches are more self-aware, they have more things in place. Um, and yeah, especially helping people with business side of things rather than just helping them with their health. Um, you know, there is some stress involved because people are, you know, relying on you to help them, you know, with their entire life, like the business is kind of fueling their lifestyle. So, there was a lot of fear around that, but I you know long story short, I left that job five months ago and um, had like a thousand dollars in the bank and I was like, right, fuck, I'm going to make this work. So I started an online marketing agency for real estate agents. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> what made you do that? Like, marketing, real estate's really behind the time. So I'll go and I'll go and start this agency. Yeah. And it was a complete flop. So it, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't so much that I, um, I mean, it, we did we did a lot of work for people. The real estate agents we were working with were just like, you know, some of them were cool. They were kind of nice guys, but they just weren't the type of people that I love to work with. And it was this thing at the back of my head. I've always like, I love working with coaches. I've done that for the last year really well. I connect with them. Um, and I always tell people as well, like work with people who you'd want to hang out with, like, if you couldn't imagine yourself running a retreat and hanging out with someone for three days, like don't work with them. So yeah, it was just a bit of a drainer, helped a lot of people for free. Um, and to be honest, we didn't really make any money with that. I was helping all these guys for free in the hopes that they'd start paying us. 
but then one thing I was really kind of oblivious to was actually the thing that was paying my bills was some of these coaches who had just been referred to me or just reached out and I was running ads for them. I was helping them set stuff up and I was paying my bills, but I wasn't really paying attention to that. I was like, okay, that's cool. Let's pay my bills. I'm going to focus on this real estate stuff. And it wasn't until I had a bit of time to reflect that I was like, I've got this all backwards. Like the, the coaching is, is my passion and that's why that's been drawn towards me. And this real estate stuff isn't working out not because I don't have the right systems in place. Like I'm doing everything right. I just not, I'm not driven by it. My message isn't about real estate. My story has no relation to, to real estate. So yeah, I just very quickly sacked that off and, and started working with coaches. We had a few gyms we were working with, um, helping them. But again, it wasn't the same. Like a lot of gym owners don't see themselves as coaches. Like they kind of just, they are just trainers. Like some, some are good. I actually have one I work with now who are a CrossFit gym, but they're, they're coaches. Like they understand transformation. They're not just selling classes. Was it an F45? Yeah. So we, we track. No, no, it's uh, cross <laughs> CrossFit gym in the, in the UK. But yeah, so that expanded and I, I don't know. I, I was literally just sat at my desk one time and I was like, I really like, the hero's journey, like I really like that that kind of concept um, within storytelling, within um, you know, like Joseph Campbell talks about it and stuff, and a few other people that are kind of inspirations of mine. And I was like, yeah, cool, hero marketing, I like that. Let's go with that. Like that sounds really cool. Let's do that. <clears throat> and I wrote down. I spoke to my business partner. So uh, my business partner also worked with me in this company. We left at the same time. We actually lived together. Uh, own the business together and, and, and yeah, kind of flow with that. But um, I wrote it down and he was like, that sucks. Like I like the hero side, but marketing is like super just like sleazy and, and not, not so sleazy, it's just a bit boring. And I was like, okay. And then it just clicked. I'm like, I love connecting with people. I've always loved connecting with people. Um, so we, we named the company uh, Hero Connection. And that, that was how it was born. Like it wasn't a huge story behind that, but it was basically just, you know, those two emphasis, like I love helping coaches. I think a lot of the time coaches who not all coaches are in this position, but most coaches I've worked with seem to be in the position of they've been through some sort of struggle or adversity. They've overcome it. They've been through their transformation and they've gone back into the trenches to go and help other people do the thing. And I, yeah. I you know, from that, that problem. And I think there, there is some like element of kind of like heroism, heroism, heroic. I don't <laughs> Heroic, <laughs> yeah. There's quite a heroic act involved in that to go back in and like put your ego aside and actually go back into the thing that you struggled with to help other people. And so, yeah, that's that's where I love the the kind of name hero and and obviously connection. I wanted it to feel like people are connected to us rather than us just being another marketing agency that runs people at, runs people's ads for them. Like I I do still coach people. Um, that's a huge element of what I do and what I love to do. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how that was born and how that, how that came about. Great. So I'm guessing, so you're still doing the, the marketing side of things, right? But you're also doing, um, now a relatively new thing, mistake me if I'm wrong in regards yeah. to group coaching, right? Yeah. So we essentially have two elements to what we do, like our agency, um, we work with essentially more established coaches, like they're in the position where they've got an established brand. Uh, an established message, they're making a lot of sales, um, but they're looking to scale that to really kind of grow it. So those guys are mostly making six figures when they come on board. Um, and then they're looking to kind of essentially get to that seven figure like company stage where they've got, you know, a team behind them. Um, so that's where they kind of plug and play our stuff. And it's more like 
they just don't want to run marketing themselves. They can do it, but they want to outsource that. And we kind of jump in and consult and, and set everything up for that. Um, and then, yeah, the other side, you know, which is, which I'm really passionate about is our, our group coaching program, which is hero launch, um, which we literally, we literally launched uh, our first group on Monday. Um, we just got yeah, a small intimate group in that 10 people. And yeah, we're basically just taking them through this journey for 12 weeks where we, um, you know, we get them really kind of clear on their brands, their personal brands, because a lot of coaches, I think sometimes hide behind logos and, you know, mm. I've done this in the past as well. So we're really getting them to, they're really kind of creating their personal brand. So again, similar to, you know, the stuff you talk about, they're tapping into their story, um, and they're using that to fuel their, their brand, create their brand message, um, create a unique audience, and then kind of go through that process of, um, you know, building a group program and, um, you know, launching and scaling that with, with advertising and paid advertising. And what would you say would be, what would you say is the main issue amongst people or what have you found? So you've got 10 people on board. Um, so I know a lot of people that do listen to this are entrepreneurs. Um, and predominantly my audience is coaches and consultants when it comes to personal branding and creating their story. Um, so they'll be able to relate to this and get some value from your answer is, so you're right. A lot of coaches and consultants, they do hide behind their logo to hide behind their brand. Right. And obviously yeah. people that come in on board into your coaching program is to help them become the face of their brand, so to speak, find their story, um, and grow their business. Would you say that the number one common issue with the people that have come on board, is it fear of being the face of the brand or what do you think it is? I don't honestly, the guys we got on board now, I wouldn't say it was fear. I think it's more confusion. So, okay. I think a lot of the time, so, so because of my background with um, being a fitness coach and helping a lot of fitness coaches over the last year, most of our program, I think, I think eight out of 10 guys are fitness coaches. Um, the other two are kind of business coaches who is our predominant, predominant market really. Um, but yeah, we were working with fitness coaches in this round and their biggest issues were they weren't taught how to niche down properly before um they basically were said like here's a niche there you go um rather than what's your story what are you passionate about what's your oh, background um so for example i'll just give you a really kind of good example of this like today one of the guys um worked with his thing when he came on board was like wanting to do weight loss with mums and he'd done that previously um but it'd been really tiring and there was a very low limit to obviously like i'm very big on high ticket sales not just because of the money but because of the transformation that's involved when you sell a high ticket but he was selling like 90 dollar programs and getting really like just unreliable people because he'd gone so broad and that was just what he was taught whereas he obviously is a dude he's not a mum himself but we tapped into his story and he was a, a physio um, and, and previously, like he actually had, when he was a personal trainer doing in-person stuff, he'd helped a lot of nurses and he had a lot of nurses in his, um, and, and medical professionals in his kind of network. And so like over the, yeah, over the course of this conversation, we kind of got clear on who he wanted to help and why, which was medical professionals, because they're supposed to be role models and giving out health advice, but they, they weren't congruent with that. Like they were all overweight. They were all kind of like not very healthy and giving advice that they weren't even like doing themselves. Um, and he was exactly the same. Like he became a physio, did like 12 hour days, like working in the hospital as a physio and, you know, put a lot of weight on himself. So he could relate to that story 
Um, and it is a problem, right? It's a tangible problem that he had to solve with himself and, and with other people. So we've kind of, you know, built that his brand message and built his audience around that. And, you know, he's still working with women. He, he just generally loves working with women, which is cool. And it is generally a bit easier to work with weight loss clients that are women, but he's not a weight loss coach anymore. Like he's positioning himself as a mentor for, you know, medical women, which mm. uh, is very different, you know, and you can, you know, because he's the only person doing that from, you know, the research I've done, like there's nobody else doing that. So he's positioned himself as an authority Massively. straight away. Yeah. Uh, versus being a, a guy that does weight loss for months, right? Like and everyone else. You know, like thousands of people that do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's true. That, that's very true. And I think um, when I got into the fitness industry, I was taught the same thing. Well, find your niche that's very profitable and that who you're going to enjoy working with. But I think that that's, but then when, when you throw that to somebody who's not really that educated, they tend to going to go for women. Not many people usually opt to go and start training guys unless they're in the bodybuilding field. And um, so you go, yeah, I'm going to train women. And usually the women that you attract are mums, usually, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then that's just what you're doing. You just fall into it. And obviously when, when I realized my story and that stage, I was like, ah, so I'm going to work with parents. Even though I was kind of working with parents already, but I, I niched myself as the guy who now works with parents because of X, Y, and Z, because of my story. And that positioned me massively. And it was almost, I'm not going to say overnight, but it was very quick results because people knew why I was doing it and they knew my story and it connected with them. Like, okay, cool. So if I need to lose weight, if I want to tone up or whatever it is, he's the guy that I want to work with. And that's the power yeah. of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not to say that you can't create more of a high ticket program around more of a generic or broad niche. Um, but when you're story driven like you, like you are and are, it's very different. So like, you know, if you start putting content out around this story, you create your audience. So a lot of the time people are talking about, you know, what I don't know what audience to go for, which is essentially, you know, your niche. And I say like, you, you create your own audience through your content and even through paid marketing. Like we, I'm big on retargeting. So it's like you put your story out first, the people that resonate with that and interact with it, retarget them with your challenges and, and your ads and everything else for, to work with you because they're the people that have put their hand up and, and showed that they align with your beliefs, your values, your story. Whereas if you just put a front up offer to somebody, then you, that's where you just attract everybody and you, you end up, you know, even if you do sign clients up, you end up with shitty clients sometimes that are just drainers and, you know, just take away from what it is you're trying to do. Yeah. And um, so, so that obviously that's what you're doing now. So you've just done your group coaching. Now talk to us a little bit about what your vision is. So you're looking forward, what's your vision and what type of impact do you want to create? I think we just cut out there. How oh, do we cut out? Did you hear what I said or? No, no, just uh, sorry, man. I have to repeat that. All right. Then. Um, so looking forward, what's your vision and what type of impact do you want to create in this world? Yeah, it's funny, man, because that's what I've been working on the last couple of days with uh, journaling and, and kind of trying to get clear. Um, for me, I, I'm not really a fan of like, I, I do have a vision for the future, like in like, you know, very long term, but it's not specific. Um, mm -hmm. I think like specific kind of really getting clear on your vision short term is good. But I think, 
you evolve and change along the way. So I'm not really a fan of kind of getting too specific in the long term. Long term, I mean, something that's always been a goal of mine is to to do big events and to kind of really just just like you know be there and and helping people transform on stage. Like that's something that's driven me for a long time. I've done some some small key events in the past, but I'm going to be looking at kind of really stepping into that over the next few months. Um, and yeah, just, uh, I mean, obviously the company like growing that and, and growing a team under us and, you know, still traveling and things like that, like that's the lifestyle I want to live. But in terms of vision, it really kind of ties into like the reason I work with coaches or why I was a coach is because well, I still am, but you know, I, I want to help. I mean, as simply as it is, I want to help people become more self-aware because, you know, not, not to be too negative, but we are destroying the planet. Like we're doing, we're doing a lot of things that are fucking up the future. And whilst we can kind of be blissfully unaware for throughout our lifetime and maybe even our kids' lifetimes, if, we, if, if us as a society, like as an, as an entire planet and species carry on doing what we're doing, like we're really just going to destroy this and there's not going to be a future. So, you know, like, everything ties into this like an environment and economy and, and all this other stuff. And I get excited about big things as well, like going to space and helping enable that in some way, which I think ties back into personal development because I think, um, you know, a big part of my vision for the future is having some sort of impact on education because I think education doesn't enable or empower people at all. Um, and that's what we need more of. Like, you know, I always think about Elon Musk. Like he, for, he for me is probably one of my my favorite people. He's an extremely conflicted person, that he's so driven by this this vision of helping humanity, and he's got all these people that are constantly trying to hold him back. He's just like fuck off, and he just you know, <laughs> yeah. He's forward. But how do you create people like that? And I think there's probably a lot of people that maybe are on the same level as him, but they just were never given the tools. Um, to empower them enough to actually go and, and chase that and create that as a reality. So I think like if we had some, you know, more systems in place to help enable and yeah, empower people to just be like, you know, focus on their creativity rather than systemize in the way that just puts them into this box, um, you know, to, to live a, you know, a lifestyle that doesn't really make sense anymore. Like the education system so far behind where we are as a society, like we're living in this digital age now and not in the industrial revolution yet. The school system's still, you know, predominantly built around that. Um, and this kind of hive mentality, whereas in reality, like the school needs to evolve a lot quicker. And that I think comes back to creativity. I think that comes back to helping people discover what they're passionate and creative about and being able to do that in a way that's constructive um, and, you know, actually, actually leads on to something rather than just, you know, you see so many people who just have no self-awareness because they've grown up in this box. They, they get shifted from one box to another box, you know, through school, through university, uh, oh, here's your next box, which is your corporate job for a lot of people. And there's just no self-awareness. Like there's no, there's no looking beyond the box or looking beyond the curtain and people are just get lost in their own lives and, you know, and, and again, they're not given the tools to work on themselves. So that's why I think a lot of people are struggling with their health physically uh, and mentally. So yeah, tying back in very loosely into, into that is coaching. Um, and, you know, right now, I don't feel like I'm this massive person that can impact education. Uh, I see myself as a coach, helping other coaches, enabling other people and just having that ripple effect with, you know, t changing positively in your lifestyle, becoming more educated, 
Um, like I'm very big on education as a, as a whole, like I spend, I try and kind of schedule time in every single day just to learn. Um, and travel for me was a big learning experience as well. Like I'm a middle-class tall white male. Uh, my perspective on life is very limited when it comes to connecting with other people. So when I traveled and lived in third world countries and developing countries, um, and actually spent a lot of time hanging out with locals rather than just like expats that for me just unlocked so much stuff and just got rid of all this shit, um, you know, around, you know, gratefulness as well. Like I grew up very ungrateful. Um, and despite having all those troubles, you know, that I talked about earlier, my life in comparison to a lot of these people who grew up with literally nothing like, po like grew up in poverty, like I have a lot to be grateful for. Um, and that was huge for me and it taught me some really, really valuable lessons and it helped me connect with people as well. Like I lived in a town growing up for a long time. I lived in a town of white people and it was just white people and that was it. Like everybody was very similar, um, you know, politically, uh, economically, like everybody was just very similar personality wise. So to really stretch myself and just meet people who are completely different but then see similarities. Like I see people and I just have like an open love for people because, you know, I've come from a background where unfortunately a lot of the people where I, I grew up in, um, you know, are very close minded and, and sometimes even, you know, quite racist. And um, I never felt like that, but I didn't really have a perspective from, you know, meeting other people that had stereotypes behind them. So when I went out and just met people from all over the place, um, it just eliminated all of these stereotypes and, and it's awesome because I just saw, I saw myself in them and I saw other people in them. Um, and I just realized like, fuck, fundamentally we're all the same. You know, we're yeah. all just, because of our conditioning, we, we turn up, a, you know, a certain way and that's why stereotypes exist. But we're all the same. Like we're all just loving humans that are put on this really fucking confusing planet. <laughs> and I don't know what the fuck what's going on. Um, and when I came to that realization, it just made me love everybody. Like even people I grew up with who I, I thought were complete dicks. Like I just like, yeah, they're just conflicted. I don't think there is such thing as people being inherently good or be people being inherently bad. I think we're all conflicted. And a lot of the time through our conditioning, we do enter, enter negative cycles. And that's why people end up taking negative actions as well. Um, but coming from that place makes me feel better about the world because I feel like because of that, everybody has the capacity to be better or to change themselves and take, take positive actions. Right. And even if they've done horrific things in their life, you know, you know, you see that in prison sometimes as well, like guys that maybe committed murders when they were really young and they get committed and they, you know, because of their conditioning and then they go in and they come out and they're completely transformed and they're a different person and they dedicate the rest of their lives to actually making a positive difference. And then, you know, around them, yeah. I think everybody, everybody has the capacity to transform and change who they are if they do the work and they have the self-awareness to self-awareness and guidance to do that. Um, and that's why I'm passionate about coaching. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's amazing that you was able to, cause like you said, definitely that traveling was a pinnacle realization for you to start to become self-aware and see that there are multicultural people that live out there who are worse off than you and completely different environment, which obviously made you realize that people, I mean, like you can go to countries where they're so happy and they have nothing. And then you can meet people who've got everything uh, and are fucking miserable. And you're just like, like, this is crazy. And it's just down to, it just proves that it's down to the way you think and how you see things in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I went from England, which traditionally a lot of people are miserable, you know, gray skies and just yeah. 
complaining about the weather and everything else as well. I went from there to Thailand, which is called the Land of Smiles. Um, and again, yeah, I, I was just around people that had very little, but they're always happy, always smiling, always chatting to me, always just being really friendly. I'd walk down the street and every single person would just say hello, even if I'd never met them before. You know, here in Australia, when I moved here, it was quite challenging because I remember I'd go down the street and I'd say hello to everybody. And I've stopped doing that now just because people think I'm, you know, <laughs> and I'm just like, I still make eye contact with people and smile at them. But even sometimes I do it and people look threatened and I'm like, fuck, it's weird. Um, so, yeah, I think we need more of that in the world, like more positivity and connection. And yeah, I don't know. I just, just try to figure out the best way to do that um in a, in a constructive way that you know allows me to live a good lifestyle and allows me to help other people and and just create that vision of the future that's crazy when i came from england and i went over to australia um i was like this is the happiest place on earth i mean, <laughs> to me to me everyone was happy and but i've never been to thailand so i'm obviously going to be in for a big shock when i go there and see the response from people yeah, I mean, it's definitely, relatively speaking, this is definitely higher on the higher on the uh, the happiness chart in the UK for sure. Um, and maybe it's also where I live. Like Melbourne is is very different from Sydney. It's very different from uh, you know like the other areas in Australia that a lot of tourists go to. But yeah, I mean, it's it's still a great place. Don't get me wrong. But compared to like Asia and South Africa as well, like those were both incredible places to meet very happy and humble people. Yeah, I think I like growing up every, usually every other year, but sometimes every year, because um, my stepmom's South African, so we will go over there. And I, I remember that, that that was a place, seeing little kids, um, which were little black kids who were poor and didn't have anything, but them always being happy. And they're just like, hey. And then just like, and then that always just made me like, I don't know. I think because I was young, I didn't really understand that he's happy and he has nothing. I wasn't really that sort of on that awareness chart to understand that. But looking back, that it, it, it did make me, it did shape me in some way to um, to respect the things that I had, seeing other people who had nothing completely, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, dude, thank you for coming on to this podcast. Thank you for sharing your story and sharing your vision. Um, I think it's absolutely beautiful. So, dude, yeah, thank you very much and. Well, we've got a lot of things um, coming along on Facebook. I see that you are uh, got a lot of things coming along as well, which I'm very excited for. Yeah, man. Yeah, I can't wait to keep growing this out. And, uh, you know, seeing your growth as well is, is, is always good. Like, I think we've uh, connected a while ago, so I've seen your journey as well. So it's, it's always good, man. Like, I just love seeing people evolve and people kind of, um, you know, taking, like, just leveling up. I think like most of my network that I, you know, people I connect with are just consistently leveling up. So uh, it's just cool to see you. Yeah, dude. Well, thank you very much for coming on and then uh, we'll chat to you soon here. Take care, dude. The best. Bye-bye.